it's 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 gonna happen. So why not get in there and start like mm, blowing it up a little bit, you know? Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So just know that going in. Hey, Dave, do you know what I'm doing right now? No, what are you up to? I'm uh, reversing the sort of history of last week. Um, You started the show your first time ever podcasting while standing up. So I've reversed it over here. I'm sitting down. I'm podcasting, and that represents a historical first for me. Is that true? Yes, it does. Yep. Dang, Bob. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Way to keep it sneaky. (laughs) Right under the the radar. Nice. Yeah. So here we are, Dave. How you doing, Bob? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I took a run this afternoon to this new place that I've never been to, um, like a jog. Uh, there is, uh, oh, I'm just going to sneak it in here. I have a, did you know, I'm going to sneak it in here. Did you know that San city is the fourth smallest town in California and San city borders seaside. Um, and San city is actually like this artist community of like, probably like the highest per capita murals of a city anywhere. Um, anyways, I was running by there. Um, and there's like this dune path, um, like a sand dune state park by the ocean. And I'd never been in that nook before. And it felt really good to, to get back there. Um, and then that is, there's something about like doing something new or finding something new that's really enlivening. And especially in the pandemic, I feel like, cause everything's routine or so much is routine. So any day yeah. that I do something new is a, a good one. So yeah. H- how about yourself, Dave? Yeah. I feel like my voice feels a little wobbly tonight and I don't know what that's about. And it's just been like, kind of feels like a real battle as of late. Um, yeah, we had 14 people out of work or calling sick to work this week. Oh, wow. which is just a lot and yeah just feels like we're limping into um limping into the end of the end of the hybrid session at school so we're going back to um virtual learning again yeah uh so tomorrow is your last day of hybrid yep exactly and that feels good just because i feel like I don't know. I want everyone to stay healthy and I want, I want as many people to be safe as possible. And it just doesn't seem like people are willing to like shut down bars or socially distance or like really do any of those, like give up their um, diversions. Is that a word? A diversion? I think it's a false cognate from Spanish. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, so yeah. Hey, nice. Way to keep way to keep me in line, Anglo. I I can't really speak Spanish that well, but I know the grammar extremely well. 
Yeah. Good. And yeah, anyhow. So I just feel like people are just so unwilling. And like I you hear the stories all the time, don't you? Like the idea that um you know, friend of the show Katie like one of her relatives is going to Disneyland for Christmas or Thanksgiving, you know? And yeah, it's like, that just doesn't feel like, it feels like something that we should be giving up is like Disney world. Right. Certainly, certainly Disneyland. Um, but like, I just feel like for me, I feel like such an introvert most of the time. And I don't, like as we talked about last week, I find myself really wanting to be in small groups anyways. So I feel like the 10 person maximum is like, there you go. That's what I was looking for all my life. Why didn't this come a little bit earlier? (laughs) Anyhow, just to relate it all back, I just feel like schools are actually fairly safe from what the New York times has been saying all week, you know? And, but it's just like, we just can't do it because the rest of the world is like not, not buckling down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, um, do you remember the video game shadow run? Oh yeah. Um, chummers. Yeah, exactly. Chummers. Exactly. That was like one of the words they used. And do you remember like you would try to go around talking to people in that world and you could ask them like about keywords. You could be like, what do you know about a certain keyword? Yeah. And you needed, so part of that game was getting keywords. Um, and our good friend Mike and I are always talking about like when we learn a keyword, we're like, what do you know about that word? And the keyword here is, um, it's a new word to 2020. It's a uh, COVID caution. Like, um, you, know, you can ask someone like, yeah, what do you know about that person's COVID caution, c- cautiousness or like that person's not very COVID cautious. So like what you're talking about is like maybe the COVID caution of, of a person going to Disney World right now is like pretty low, right? Right. Um, so that, that's what was brought to mind for me when you're talking about that. I would say I'm curious about the 14 people calling in sick. Are they coming down with COVID or are they, what do you know about the folks who are calling in sick? Um, we, yeah, just like... I don't know. I don't think any of them also testing is so slow. Right. Um, I think it's at like seven days here in Colorado. Oh, wow. We, if you get tested at seaside high school, you can, um, they say four to six days, but it sometimes comes back in two days. Right. Yeah. I think that's kind of where we're at. Um, so I, I hard to know. I, there is no positive cases. Um, but it just also takes time to get tested right now. So I think there's a big, like the flu is going around, head colds are going around. I think it'd be, it's just like, it's interesting how the COVID symptoms, um, are making people take the day off, you know? Oh yeah. Like, um, just cause they're like, Ooh, I might have it. I better take the day off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, because their COVID caution is high. Which is right. a good thing. Right. And I think that that's, yeah, that's exactly where it's at. Um, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's just like, 
feels like a tough time right now. And it feels like there's just not a lot, lot to celebrate out there, Bob. <laughs> yeah. And that's the beauty of thriving in dystopia. It will find the nooks and celebrate those nooks. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's good. That little sand dune outside of Sand City that you didn't even know existed until you were jogging over there. And there you go. And you're finding oh, man, that little it, bit of happiness. Yeah. It opens up and ooh, it's beautiful. Well, sweet. Um, any other good bits of information that you'd like to share out, Bob? Um, I guess I'm also just, while I have you, wanted to inquire, what, you know, you've been, you've been doing it for like three months now. What are your thoughts on, or like, what are your feelings, just like your experience teaching remotely, teaching hybrid? I'm curious, like how it feels for you, um, how, and like, do you think, what do you think of it as an effective form of education or not? Yeah, I think... And the best part about either system is that really in the end, getting Fridays off is the best. <laughs> so we need that. We need that planning day. <laughs> and I feel like, yeah, like I've always felt like, I mean, we have so much more to deal with. So that's and like, it, we never get like Friday off and it's just like a Friday, you know? Um, but I feel like there's like benefits to both, to be honest. And of course they both suck to like what it was like last year, but I really love the idea of these small groups and like, there used to be a lot of segregation at recess. Like you would play yeah. with you like boys playing with boys or like, you know, certain races playing with each other or like it just or like certain interest groups getting together. But I feel like one thing that's really nice is because we have to have separation on the playgroup or on the playground with our pods, with our classes. I really like how because of that, like all gray, all like all kids are just playing with everybody, you know? And if you were to ask almost any kid, they'd say, Yeah, I just play with everybody. We're all friends, which is like that's just not a dynamic that was real last year, you know? And I feel like my, the social emotional learning of kids and like the worries of like how they're interacting with each other is like, so not a thing anymore. It's just amazing to watch as we, you know, as there's only like six to nine kids in a classroom, then it just becomes a different space kids are able to see each other as humans rather than like a kid on the other side that's just really annoying you know that sounds kind of amazing you know that sounds like kind of major major issues in education like segregation and click forming and hierarchization and gender and you know how it intersects with gender and race and class um has been very troubling education scholars for a long, long time. And it's how those inequalities start to get reproduced in society, you know, the perpetuation of them. So that actually sounds kind of major what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's less so with the online learning, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mostly just because 
Yeah, there's, I mean, and there's issues with both, of course. Yeah, that some things are more highlighted and something, or some things improve and some things get worse. Yeah, exactly. So then, yeah, go ahead. Another question is like, then just how does it feel to you as a teacher, like the whole experience? And I'll give you an example of like, for me, I, I, a part of me definitely misses being a teacher in a classroom and like on center stage, but I also really like not that anymore. And I like mm. being able to, as long as I get my runoff, I'm really, I love being at home. Um, you know, as long as I'm getting out there, um, right. like my back feels better, you know, uh, in this form of education. But so, yeah, how does it feel for you in terms of like you as a teacher and your whole embodiment? Yeah, I guess it's hard to be because like when I do teach virtually, it's like it's a big chunk. It's like five or six hours, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just a lot of time in front of the computer. So I did remember like my body hurting in funny ways. You know what I mean? Um, because it's like so much less dynamic and I feel like I have a lot more computer time Mm -hmm. and that's really hard. Um, but yeah, in the classroom, it's been great. And I feel like inside the classroom, I've been loving what, what that's been like. So I guess I really like hybrid learning. It's just the issue is that the kids only get two days a week with me Mm -hmm. and then they go home and they're expected to do virtual stuff, but they like, that's just a big ask to be like here is like a bunch of stuff you need to do and you know your parents won't know how to do it and i don't you know i won't be there to explain it and it's like good luck have fun so it makes sense that that doesn't always get done so that's the that's the real downside to hybrid it should be we just need small class sizes it's just like because the days that they have off it's like they get very little education done yeah i imagine so like even my students who are like paying a lot to be in college and you know normally highly motivated a lot of them fall through the cracks and like get behind and work um so i imagine elementary school students have a real hard time of self-motivating to like do remote stuff right right and it's just like even if they do have the motivation they don't always have the tool set to like persevere through like a setback or a failure true yeah it could frustrate and then be like ah god life sucks i give up yeah it's pretty easy to i think to give up as a you know a five-year-old or a fourth grader or a college student or an adult yeah especially doing things that you don't really like that much yeah yeah i don't know where like that that step it feels like a hard step to take to like not to not give up, you know? Yeah. Yep. You have to be guided by something pretty deep. Yeah. So I don't know if that quite answered your question, like how it feels, but yeah, that's, I, that's great. Yeah. I, um, I think this is good. We needed to come back to this because we did two episodes on education back at the beginning of your starting the, your term. So I think it's good to pull that thread through and keep on checking up on it. And so certainly I wanted to hear about it from you. So yeah. I appreciate you, Dave. Yeah. And 
just for the listeners out there, you and I haven't had much of a chance to talk outside of the podcast in recent weeks, just because we had our buddy Weston visiting and um, yeah, just life felt busy. And I think that November is just like a big slog in general as we move into like from nice weather and warmness and summer and into like the darkness, you know, and into the winter. So it's nice to be able to check up and actually chat with each other, even if it's through the podcast, you know? It, yeah, it's a beautiful gift. Yeah. Because there's no way we would have checked up on each other tonight. Nope. Otherwise. Nope. Just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I probably got like 30 emails from students today. I'm just like dying in student emails and, and grading. But yeah, not really dying, just flooded with it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, do you want to get into the 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 turkey and gravy? Yeah, let's let's open up that stuffing and pumpkin pie. <laughs> it almost sounds like a Dawes song. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Anyways, so I'll introduce the episode two of season four, the season on celebration and what does it mean to celebrate in these times? And the episode, we're going to do the timely episode of Thanksgiving. Um, Hopefully this episode comes out a day or two days before Thanksgiving is upon us. And it's just such a major holiday. Um, And, you know, like the day before Thanksgiving is almost always the most heavily trafficked day in U.S. history. And it's like, it keeps on growing every year, you know, like 50, then 55, then 60 million people are traveling on that day. Um, so there's, and of course, like it's a colonial holiday that like is wrapped up in this colonizing myth. Um, so it's really, really well worth like decolonizing or trying to like ask those questions around this, this holiday. Um, so there's a lot too that we can sink our teeth into and, I particularly want us to like talk about celebration and like what does Thanksgiving celebrate and then how are we thinking of celebrating Thanksgiving this year um under mm. like very different contexts and um yeah during a a pandemic in uh, full on dystopia and I'll also in this intro say like there is some good memes floating around in terms of Thanksgiving. One meme is like uh, something like I'm, I might be getting the wording wrong, but like it says like gather on Thanksgiving dead by Christmas or something like that. Um, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's pretty like just like brutal, brutally honest. Um, yeah. And then there's another one that's like, I think the wording is really important, but I'm going to mess it up too. But it's like, you know, um, Thanksgiving is like centers on a certain group of people um, bringing viruses to other groups of people. Um, so let's <laughs> think about that as we enter this Thanksgiving and and like, you know, make a decision to bring viruses to people or not. Um, so I thought that was an interesting one as well. 
Um, yeah, maybe I'll also just say like I, I, I kind of love Thanksgiving, or at least like the, the day of Thanksgiving. Like I just have such warm feelings for it. Um, just loved it growing up. Our family has some warm stories about it, some some funny stories that happened to us on Thanksgiving as well. Um, and yeah, just the food, the gathering, the feast is has really come to mean a lot to me. And so that's a part of this too. So yeah, I don't know, Dave, do, do you feel like called to any starting point? That's where I'll leave it. Yeah, I... You know, I don't write notes usually, and I don't have a notepad, but um, if I did, the first thing on my notepad would be the idea that, and then this is not totally true, but that Thanksgiving feels really um, anti-capitalist in a lot of ways to me. Um, or maybe it's not anti-capitalist, it's, it's just like not about gifts as most, or like giving things as most holidays are. Mm. Which is funny because it has the word giving right in the word. But um, I just feel like, you know, with Christmas, it's all about presents. With birthdays, it's presents. With Valentine's Day, it's all about like a little gifty exchange. And, you know, Halloween, you have to give out candy. But I feel like Thanksgiving to me feels like it'd be better called like thanks sharing because it's like a moment. It's mm. where we share things and like... Most Thanksgivings I've been a part of, there's like some potluck type element to it, you know, like even when it's just a few families gathering, it's like, yeah, you know, I'll bring the stuffing and the pie and, you know, you bring this or that, you know, and it's always like, if you're going to go to someone else's Thanksgiving, it's like a pretty polite thing to do is to like ask what you could bring, you know? Um, And I feel like that kind of feels like at the heart, it's like, it's just about food, so it's not really about, like, other things, you know? It's, like, food and, like, a moment of togetherness. And I don't know. It, as a kid, it didn't feel, like, that special, but, like, each year that I'm, like, alive, it feels like the holiest of holidays to me just because of that idea of that sharing and I also do think it's really ironic that like the day after Thanksgiving is like Black Friday and it's the day of like mass consumerism and capitalism. And it's like almost like we take one day off, you know? Yeah. And then it's like the floodgates are more open that it's like we can't even handle it. We need to go and buy everything. Like let's trample each other. So I don't know. It's like it feels like those two days feel really oppositional to me and they're like right next to each other. Maybe it's like, okay, like society is holding back on capitalism on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, just like, don't, don't go out, just like spend with your family. But then like our society is like building up all these capitalist urges. And then the society itself is like saying, Hey, Hey, just wait one day and then just explode the next day. Um, and that's, that's what happens. Um, so maybe what you're saying actually has, does have logic there, like, um, a holding back of capitalism only to have capitalism explode the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, also that being said too, it's like Thanksgiving is a holiday where I end up spending a lot more money on a meal, you know, like I would say my budget for Thanksgiving this year is like, you know, $150 or something like that 
to try and buy like organic, an organic bird and all this, you know, I want to make a pecan pie and, you know, so there's not many meals that I cook at home that my budget's $150 or whatever. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Yeah. But it makes sense. On the other hand, it's kind of like a meal that is like, not just the day of, but you're like, it's like a week's worth of meals. Right. So maybe it's, it's not high money. It's just like a ton of prep on one day. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said too, the downside of Thanksgiving for me is that it's the most racist of holidays and it's a a holiday that is like based off exploitation and maybe I, I don't know, maybe not the most, but like, it is like, that's, that's a hard thing to come to grips with in terms with too, you know, the idea of the genocide of the native peoples of the United States and how the myth of Thanksgiving is like trying to cover that up. Yeah. You have these holidays in the United States that, um, because they are created by this racist state, the United States, and then they build up traditions over decades and centuries. They become like just loaded with white supremacy and, um, the, the work that, uh, Independence Day, Thanksgiving, President's Day, um, and even Christmas, uh, the work that those holidays do to promote U.S. exceptionalism. Mm. You know, the U.S. is like the greatest country in the world, and um, we love our presidents, and we love our pilgrims, and these are the heroes of U.S. history, and they're white, they're white men, um, and they're the greatest ever, and they're our founding fathers, and they wrote the Constitution, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, it's really important to deconstruct all that, and like, because it does so much violence, especially towards indigenous people, there has to be like white settlers like ourselves have to do work to um, like, I think it's okay to like uh, enjoy or celebrate Thanksgiving in certain ways because it's restorative, but also we have to always be working to uh, just be in solidarity with indigenous people. And that, means that can mean a lot of different things you know it's it means different things based upon where you are you know i think it certainly means doing a land acknowledgement um and like thinking through what that means with who's ever at the gathering you know um and uh yeah i mean i don't know do you have other ways that you think about trying to work towards decolonizing Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think that that feels super appropriate. The idea of like the acknowledgement, right. And making that heard needs to be a priority or like a necessity because we don't often make space for that or like, you know, the not maybe I shouldn't say we, but like I, it doesn't, it doesn't get said enough. And I feel like as we, you know, talk about what we do for our rituals, I feel like that should be a ritual that becomes a part of Thanksgiving. And it 
like trying to norm that into what Thanksgiving is, uh, the land acknowledgement and the acknowledgement of the genocide of the people that were here, you know? Um, because yeah, so that, that's definitely a step I've, I've taught classes on like, you know, decolonizing Thanksgiving or, you know, rethinking Columbus and trying to think about that from a young age. And like, because I feel like the myth is like ingrained in us as United States citizens at like the youngest of ages. And by the time you get to fifth grade, the myth is like ready to be either like ingrained or like decolonized a bit or de rethought at the very least, you know? So that's definitely some of the work that needs to be done because if people are more open to be, to like acknowledge that this holiday is built on a myth, but also acknowledge the fact that like a gathering of a community of, and a harvest festival and like, that is something that's like necessary as for humanity to celebrate, then we can like get to a better spot with this holiday, you know? Yeah. I like, I, I do want to believe that it's possible because I think it's an opportunity. Um, like Thanksgiving creates opportunities for critical conversations and like coming back to honoring um, indigenous people and also, yeah, I mean, it's like, it just creates an opportunity, like within like a, a good land acknowledgement, you know, or like an authentic one, uh, just given from the heart. It, I remember last year I did one at my partner's house and it was like some of her family was there and like there, these aren't folks that like study decolonization in academia. like. I, I do. And like Kiki does, you know, so it was just like interesting for them to hear this. And it, it did spur uh, like conversations of colonization and who are the indigenous people in, you know, this part of the world and like, what can we do to like not be perpetuating this violence? Um, so it was good. So, and that was cause it was the opportunity of Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, I think you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. So why not get in there and start like blowing it up a little bit, you know, um, while celebrating the parts that are, that we want to hold on to, you know, I guess that idea of what is it? Um, prefigurative politics, like create, like live in the world that we want to live in, um, and create it here and now. And then it will like, spiral out in this positive way into the future. Hmm. I like that. I've never heard that word before, but it's definitely like a tenet of anarchism in a lot of ways, right? But yeah, big time. Yeah, I'd say it's like one of the defining features of anarchism, the way I understand it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm also curious a little bit to hear about like one of the things I heard is that, you know, Canadian Thanksgiving was a few, like a month ago, I think. Ah, interesting. And the New York Times posted like just a huge spike in cases because of the, the gatherings of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Are you, what are your plans? I don't even know. I haven't asked you. So I'm just curious to hear 
Yeah. What, like how things are different for you? Um, like uh, a friend that we've like made friends with in Seaside um, was texting me, like inviting us to like, she was thinking about putting a small gathering with like maybe seven, six or seven people together of her friends. And, um, while like Kiki and I were talking about it, we were like going back and forth around like, Hmm, like it's like, certainly like we like this person a lot. However, it seems a little dangerous while all that was going on. Our friend texted me back saying, actually, I'm calling it off. It just seems too hard to pull off and not the right time. So we all came to the same conclusion. So in the end, Kiki and I are just going to do a Thanksgiving meal here at our house, the two of us. And that's all we have planned so far. And that it, and it feels pretty exciting, actually. It feels very new. I've never done such a humble Thanksgiving. And so it'll be new in that sense. Yeah. How about yourself, Dave? Yep. Um, basically the same thing. I was kind of conjuring up some ideas on how to safely see um, our mom. And we might go on a walk if weather is fine, you know, get together and go on a walk together or, um, but yeah, one of my ideas was that I was going to get tested for COVID like tomorrow because, you know, if, if I get tested tomorrow, like my last day with kids tomorrow, you know, and it's sort of being like, okay, that'd be like enough time for me to get a, a negative result and then be able to go see her. But it's also tough because Julie is working with kids up until Wednesday, at least, or she's working with kids till Wednesday. Um, so it's like, yeah, but like, then I go see and it's just tough. It's just like not quite the right timing. So I think that's the plan we're going to implement for Christmas, Uh, like a mixture of like quarantining and as best we can and doing a test before trying to make sure that, you know, mom's safe. Um, yeah. And it'll be, I think that's like the one benefit of going back to virtual learning is that I won't have so much exposure to kids over the next three weeks before Christmas or whatever it is, however long till Christmas break is. Um, so yep. In the end, it will just be Julie and myself. I did concoct a plan on like a pie exchange. I thought it'd be, that's like the the thing that I, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Miss the most is like, there's definitely people in my communities that I trust like to like trade a pie with um, because I don't really want to bake five pies, but I kind of want to eat five different pies, you know? Oh man. I hear you there. I hear you yeah. there. Yeah. A, I mean, you know, I'm a pie man. Oh, born and bred pie man. How about that, that pie up in white Oak farm circa 2013? Oh man. There's been some bad ones. Uh, are you talking about the one that Nick made during dinner? I I actually liked his during dinner pie. I was actually referring to Dan and my berry pie. That was a dessert pie. Oh, good. Yeah. No, I'm sure they were all lovely. I I just 
Nick's savory pumpkin pie was kind of like, it had people turned a lot of heads to say the least. Yeah. And and in the end, I I liked it. And I think about that, that squash that he used, I believe it was like a New York cheese or what, what is that one called, Dave? Um, I think that's it. I think it's a, a, no, it's not a New York cheese. It's a Staten Island cheese. No, I don't know. What it <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Does this count as a Nick Cantrick reference? Uh, I think so. And if we reference Nick, we have to throw Jen's name out there. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> the, ba- the world gets unbalanced. So this one's for you, Jen Grilly. <laughs> oh, that's a good, ja- good, good running gag at this point. It, it's a thriving gag, you know? Yeah. Um, anyhow. Yeah, Bob. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull off the pie exchange, but that's, that's where my head's at trying to trade half pies all across Fort Collins. So if you end up getting a, an email about a half pie, just know that my chocolate pecan pie is to die for. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm no, I'm no Tony Fauci here, Dave, but I feel like a food exchange is like pretty COVID cautious. It like, that's not really where COVID's being passed, like through food. Um, you know, I, I, you know, don't, I shouldn't be like putting out, you know, I'm no epidemiologist. This is just take it with a grain of salt, but I feel like this could work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think because food is so porous, right. Um, well, I don't know. Let's not quote Fauci and get people sick, right? <laughs> yeah, this is. Let's do some more research on this, but it has more more potential than gathering together. And so, I appreciate you thinking through these these things in these ways. And you know, I I know the the Maisler clan is going to be thoughtful and do what's right. And I, I think this is the right move. Yeah. Oh, you know what else I'm trying to organize, Bob? And I haven't invited you yet. Um, but I was thinking it'd be fun to play a game of Mafia via Zoom. Ooh, yeah. I'm into um, that. Try and get like a crew together. And I don't know. I think Mafia would work on Zoom. So expect an email about a half a pie and a game of Mafia this week. Damn. I'm, I'm enjoying this a lot. This is yeah. good stuff. Um, and then since you're organizing so much, let me know when the, th- the third annual Dave Maisler softball classic is, is coming up. Dang. Yeah. We've taken a quick 10 year hiatus, <laughs> but uh, just a quick one. Yeah. We had back to backs and then a quick 10 year hiatus. <laughs> Man, those things were extremely successful. They were growing exponentially. Yeah. Year one had like 20, year two had like 90. Yeah. It was like a massive party. We had like three teams. It was, oh, it was, it was a growth economy right there. Someone brought a goat to roast and I went, <laughs> I, I was like, man, <laughs> nice, nice goat. Glad you're roasting it. And he's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Dave Maisler from the classic. He's like, what? <laughs> he, yeah, we did not, we did not um, get along very well. Me and that guy. Really? He, 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 I would have expected he meet, he meets the, the Dave Maisler, the Dave Maisler classic. And that changes his whole perspective on things. 
I think he just wanted a, a place to roast a goat, and he heard that there would be 90 people somewhere in the hills of Santa Cruz <laughs> and an open fire pit. Oh, it's a brilliant memory. That that's yeah. both both classics were great, but the second one was really something special. Love it. Yeah. Oh, Bob. Well, I feel like I want to keep keep up the creativity on how to celebrate as we go into this time of year because I don't feel like there's any clean answer. And um, yeah, I feel like it's going to leave a lot of people um wanting. And yeah, hopefully the more, the more we can stay in touch about like finding that creative way to connect, that's going to be awesome. And the creative way to celebrate and how to creatively get around some of those like COVID things to be safe with half a pies and testing at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I think these are great conversations and I think like a more meta take home message from this show for me around celebration is like when we are celebrating these holidays, these big things that are like um, a huge group celebrates, you know, nationally or internationally, it's always going to be complicated. And I, I think that's fine. I think that's like, let's go into that complication and let's get dirty in, in that. Um, let's try to like be striving for something better, you know, something that's connected to caring about everyone instead of oppressing people. Um, but I, I, I'm into that, you know, that's a, a dirty battle I want to get into. Beautiful. Yeah. I also feel like maybe, maybe the time is right to get our heads together and try and get up some create creativity on how to connect via the internet. Because I feel like yeah. people, we went through a phase of like trying to think outside the box and then we got back into like thinking, we're just like thinking about zoom as like the worst and only for meetings and conferences and stuff. But I think it'd be nice to get, get some ideas together for less so for Thanksgiving, but more so for Christmas because people are really going to want that. So hopefully the thriving crew can get some ideas on how to connect with loved ones from afar. Yeah, I like that. And you sprouted a few ideas around Mafia that I really like. <laughs> Perfect. Sweet. Well, Bob, I think without further ado, I'm going to give you um, two Did You Know's. Did You Know? Hey. Oh, yeah. Hey. hey did hey, You Know? Did You Know? Hey, hey. Did, did you, know? you Know? Hey, hey. Did You Know? Hey, hey. Did You Know? <laughs> hey, how did that? I didn't listen to last week's episode. How did that turn out? The song. Um, not, I feel like I got cut out from the song. Good. That's, that's <laughs> like, I sent Nadir a message and he said, I'm just going to cut Bob out. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that came across. It landed well. No, I didn't do that. Cool. Oh, well, that's pretty funny. Um, okay. The first one is just a factoid. The word Pez from the Pez dispenser actually comes from a German word. And this goes out to our our German crew out there, all those thrivers in Alemania. Do you know what that word is, Bob? Hmm, Pez. It's the first, the first part of this word is Fef. Maybe Pfefferminz? 
Feth er mints. Yeah. That's what Meaning pe- peppermint. For. Yeah. Peppermints. Isn't that interesting? Damn, that's a good did you know. Yeah. And my second did you know is a question for you, Bob. There are two countries in the world that have never served Coca-Cola. Can you name them? Wow. Love it. Yeah, let me let me wrap my head around it. Uh, yeah, I got I got two countries that have there there be a reason to guess these two countries. Perfect. So they are the Vatican and North Korea. <laughs> what the hell does the Vatican have against Coca-Cola bomb? <laughs> it's the devil's brew, Dave. The devil's brew. <laughs> North Korea is correct, and the Vatican is very wrong. They bathe in the shit, Bob. They are just bathing yes. Saint Peter's Cathedral is. Ba- There's a freaking vending machine at every corner. <laughs> um, but you're on the right track. I bet you'll get the other one, and I bet that fact is outdated at this point. Hmm. Wow, outdated. But now they probably have. I mean, Cuba? Nailed it. Wow. But what about the Cuba Libre? <laughs> right. But that probably, I mean, that just, that, for me, that smacks of a U.S. created drink. Yeah. Like these but ideas we, of Cuba. We drank Cuba Libres all the time down there. You know what? I'm re-looking up the fact and it says not currently sold. Because you think okay. about the, the, what's that guy's name? The Hemingway Cuba, you know? Oh, yeah, when, the Hemingway, the, the Bautista era. Yeah, the um, Tony Bautista. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Blue Jays. No, never mind, that's too uh, oh, deep. Um, Jose Bautista. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who's Tony Bautista? It doesn't matter. Okay. Stay on track, Dave. Don't, don't go down a baseball rabbit hole with me, Dave. I will take you <laughs> to the depths of <laughs> to very dark places. Yeah. Well, that's pretty interesting. That's our did you know for the week. Very good. Very good, Dave. I like how you wove a little trivia, trivia style, like you asked the audience there. Yeah. I think I think the audience appreciated it. I know Katie Gillespie did, that's for sure. Excelente. Well, Bob, you want to lead us out? Yeah, we have some contact information for the Thriving Crew. You you can sort of get at us four different ways. The first is via email, davepetrie at gmail.com. The next is Instagram, and we have thriving underscore in underscore dystopia. The next one is Twitter. You can tweet at us at BMAZE19. And the last way is our website which is thriving in dystopia.com and i was thinking dave maybe we should open up a tiktok channel for thriving follow me on dave peachtree on tiktok it's there it's ready i got a video up and waiting for you oh i have a i have a tiktok account too dave i'm gonna try to find you (laughs) good (laughs) yeah and uh hey if you want to play mafia in a couple days after this episode comes out send us a send us a text Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dang, that would yeah. be a good game. Yeah. Maybe 20 people limit? If you're going to be the, what's that role called? You know, the facilitator? Then 
It's called God. What about if we have an atheist person come? Could we have like a more inclusive name for that figure? Um, d- yeah, sem- demigod, Hercules, Hercules. Yep, the Herculean task of running a twenty-person game of mafia <laughs> via Zoom. Beautiful. There it is. There it is. I like it. Sweet bomb. Well, thanks for everything. Love you. Yep. I love talk you too, Dave. To, talk to you. Um, maybe not on Thanksgiving. Maybe the day before or after, huh? Sounds sounds perfect, Dave. All right. Bye, Bob. Bye, Dave. What's up, Driving Crew? Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears. They also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful. The intro song is In Heaven by Drake Stafford. Our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous Nadir Chayetch. Web design by Chris the Mixer Sawyer. And of course, visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic Joe Shine. And finally, our new outro song is a cover of Can't Help Falling in Love by our editor, Nadir. See you next week. Go